What is up, y'all, you all, all you? Welcome back to Homesteads and Homeschools. Today is episode 40, which means you can find the show notes at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 040. Just type it into your little your little search bar there, your little search engine, web browser, whatever you use, and uh, you get to today's show notes. And in today's show notes, you will find... Um, a link to our guest page, as well as uh, some other links that I constantly telling you about, but I won't tell you about them right now. Anyway, today's guest goes by T. She is uh, one of the admins at a page on Facebook called Vacate Public Schools, and uh, as you can imagine, their their message is is one of homeschooling, is one of. Uh, Getting your children out of the public school, bringing them home, and uh, and educating them from home. Why why not have someone like that on to uh, to talk about their their story, their experience, and uh, and where it brought them, how they got there? That's just what I did. I think you'll find today's interview interesting. Um, we got in a little bit into uh, to the parenting side of things and and how how life kind of shapes you, how it's a, a constant progression of, uh, of molding, of shaping, of changing, of shifting. And, um, you know, we're, we're, you're not the same person you are today that you were five minutes ago, let alone five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, we change. And that's usually for the better. And, uh, hopefully you all out there are trying to, to make changes for the better. Uh, I think, um, most of us are, you'd be kind of, uh, kind of a moron if you, if you didn't, right? I don't think many of us are, are, content to be complacent and uh, just ride out our lot in life. I think we're all, all trying to, to make it better. Even even the guys at the top end, uh, your, your Bill Gates and your Jeff Bezos, uh, they're, they're trying to make things better. They're, they're trying to make a better business, run a better, better ship, make some more money. So we're going to get into this thing in, in two seconds. But I just want to tell you to stick around after the show. Uh, I got a little little announcement to make, a little little something something. Uh, coming up in the fine month of November. So stick around. If you uh, if you stop listening when my guest stops talking, don't this time. Listen. Keep going. There'll be more. So without further ado, let's let's go plant those liberty seeds with our guest today, T. My guest today is T. She's an admin over at the Vacate Public Schools page on on Facebook. Um, lots of lots of fun memes coming out over there. Lots of uh, good posts coming out of there. I, I, I enjoy it, and uh, you should check it out. And we'll we'll talk about that a little bit at the end. But uh, right now, um, yeah, let's say hi to T. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Um, I know you got a, a busy schedule there, so I, I appreciate your time. Yeah, right back at you. I really do. It's been a little hard for us <laughs> to connect with yeah, the, the things we have going on, but I appreciate your time and what you're doing here and, and giving me the opportunity to talk to this. Yeah, no problem. It's, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things, you know, you, you get spread out and uh, you're trying to balance all those things at home and it, it can, uh, can add up, can add up. But uh, so you, what, what was your uh, 
childhood education like? Were you were you homeschooled oh, kind of kid, no. or did you go to public school? I never okay. even knew anybody who was homeschooled. To me, the only person that would be homeschooled would have been somebody who was extraordinarily sick and needed tutors at home. I, I had zero knowledge of it at all. Um, the first time it even remotely crossed my radar um, was maybe around 2005 to 2006. I joined a uh, online message group um, related to pregnancy. I was pregnant with our youngest and um, it was, I, I had the most boring job on the planet, but it was, we were very mainstream in everything we did. The kids were in daycare, they were in school. Um, I worked Monday through Friday, eight to five, living in a cubicle. Everything was very, very normal. Um, you know, we stood and saluted the flag and, and we were grateful for the police. And I mean, you name it, we were extraordinarily mainstream in every aspect. Um, the kids were spanked, they were shamed, they were punished, you name it, everything was standard. And um, really a big part of the changes started kind of creeping in um, when I joined that forum. And I just met people from around the world. They were, I mean, 99% women. We did have one token dad whose wife was pregnant and she didn't want to do the, the group. And, um, one of the moms was homeschooling. And my first thought was, what a freak, you know, who could do that? Yeah. Who would yeah. want to be around their kids all day? That's so weird. I mean, every mainstream reaction you can imagine. But the funny, interesting thing is that, um, so we have four boys total. We are a blended family. It was mine, mine, his and ours. Um, the oldest is now 25. Uh, number two just turned 20. Number three is 19, almost 20, because they are stepbrothers and they're about seven months apart. And then the youngest just turned 13. So all boys, because okay. God hates me. And um, <laughs> so, but number two, um, when he was an infant, he was injured in an incredibly bad car-related accident, um, suffered a traumatic brain injury. But miraculously, I mean, his head was completely crushed and he was nine mm. months old the day it happened. And he was discharged from the hospital seven days later, having regained all of his skills like nothing had ever happened. Wow. Um, he had physical wounds that were taking longer to heal, but in the scheme of things, nobody then, we really didn't have a lot of internet. There was no support. Um, the doctors at the time were not pediatric and we didn't know what to expect from, from him. But when he regained his skills and was back within a week of cruising the furniture, trying to walk, he was a very motivated, determined kid. We went, wow, we dodged a bullet. You know, look at the plasticity of his brain. He's bounced back and it's wonderful. We're never going to let him use this as a crutch or anything to lean on. He can't use it as an excuse because he knows what he's doing. And he became just the most defiant, strong-willed. I think he was already <laughs> beforehand. Mm -hmm. he, he, was, he was a natural-born anarchist. Nobody is the boss of that kid. And if you've never parented a tornado before, I don't recommend it. Um, it we didn't know what we were doing. My first son was the most compliant child on the planet and to this day still kind of is. He wants approval. Mm -hmm. If you elevate your tone slightly or speak to him in a disappointing way, he just instantly slumps in shame and collapses on himself and, and beats himself up. And he was so easy to control that I thought I was a good parent. And then came number two. And I went, oh, I have no idea. So I started reading parenting books and most everything was yeah, fairly standard, mainstream. Um, a few little things here and there started poking holes in my belief system. Um, but I was trying to figure out because, yeah, the parenting book, when they're two or three, they yeah. say, offer them a choice. They, they just want to choose and have control. So, you know, pick up alpha A and B and say, which one is it going to be today? And he'd go, neither. It's going to be Z, inside out and backwards and see ya. And I went, well, <laughs> dude, that's not what the book said. You know, you're not responding in the normal way. So he was in daycare. And every day, pretty much, I lived in fear that they were going to kick him out. 
every single day he was in the director's office rather than on a field trip. Every day he had a reward and punishment chart with smiley faces and there were always more sad mm-hmm. faces. I mean, he was doing a lot of behaviors, acting out stuff, um, threatening other kids. He was extraordinarily smart verbally, just over the top, like too smart for his own good. But he, he wouldn't comply to save his life, literally to save it. You know, he just would not get in line. And that's all I wanted him to do is please just comply one day. Just do what you're asked to do and be a normal kid. No, he wouldn't. So we had this happening. And it was really, I didn't realize how much that was permeating our lives in terms of, we tried all the mainstream, I mean, from spanking and removing, he had his bedroom stripped down to nothing but a mattress and a dresser. Like you can have no toys, you can't have access to this, you know, everything is gone. We were harsh because we didn't know what else to do. It's what was done, you know, you got to spank him and if dad broke out the belt, you better straighten up because we lived in fear. So um, finally, when my youngest was born, I was home. I decided to stay home with him because we really could not afford infant daycare along with the, the at least the two older boys definitely need before and after school care. So it was seven, eight hundred dollars a month. And I went to pay someone else to raise my infant. That was really, really hard. Mm-hmm. So I did the math and said, look, if I can work part time, I could stay home and raise the baby. So that was kind of what we did. And I've worked a bazillion different part time night weekend kind of gigs um, to try to make ends meet and make up that one paycheck. And about seven or eight months into it uh, with the newborn, I finally started really reading up on the homeschooling and thought, I'm pretty much being called to school every two to three days to come and get my kid because they can't handle him. He's being kicked out. He's being suspended. He's being, and this is only, he's only in second grade. Now we already have an IEP in place. We already have uh, therapeutic support. He has wraparound. This is somebody who goes with him to school all day long and daycare after school to sit and remind him, please make a better choice. Is this what you're supposed to be doing? Are you on task? His own little personal Jiminy Cricket is what I called her. She was a great woman. She tried her best. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he's going to do what he's going to do. And he was a terrible fit for school. And it took me that long to really realize after two and a half years of sitting on the same side of the table with the psychologist and the counselor and the principal and the teacher and pointing my finger at this little kid going, what is wrong with you that you can't just do what you're supposed to do? And, you know, I was at a complete loss for how to parent and what to do with him. And it wasn't until the school guidance counselor said, I swear to God, this kid's smarter than I am. And I almost fell over. I said, that's what <laughs> I've been saying for years. I don't know what to, you know, he's been outsmarting me. Every time you think you're supposed to be you know, three steps ahead of him, go, ha ha, nice try, kiddo. No, he cuts me off at the pass. He's way ahead of me. Like, Dude, I, I'm just left completely flat-footed. I have no clue where to go with this. So I just read more and more and more and finally decided, you know, if I have to be at the school, picking him up all the time. Maybe I'll just bring him home. And it, I mean, how much worse can I do than what you know was done? And of course, our first three to four months were horrifyingly bad. I mean, they were screaming fits and tantrums and crying. And that was just me. Um, because I wanted him to do schoolwork. I wanted school at home. And I did not even know anything else existed. So this was um, about 2007. And I remember the counselors, everybody telling me, I can't believe you're going to pull him out in homeschool. He can't even... <laughs> or how is he going to succeed there? And I said, but you guys keep sending him home to me anyway. So clearly you think I'm qualified to do something with him. I just don't know what. And um, so one day I just, I got tired of the fight and I said, dude, you do you. I don't know what you want to do today. I'm just going to relax. And you know, I was up with the baby all night or whatever. I think maybe I had like mastitis. It was just like, I, I'm done for today. I'm not going to fight you. And my severely HD, ADHD kid um, medicated, you know, Ritalin and, and whatever else we could throw down his throat to try to get compliance. He sat for three hours, bugging nobody, irritating nobody, 
reading a book about how to make paper airplanes and doing different designs to make them fly differently. And it hit, I went, look at him. I mean, is he learning aerodynamics? Yeah. Is he learning, you know, doing experimenting and science? And, and he was showing me the different, if you move the you know, paper clip this way and do a different thing. And it blew my mind went, without me telling him to do anything. He chose to do something interesting. It retained his attention. The you know, baby wasn't screaming because his brother was bugging him. He just wasn't bugging anybody. It, it was wild. And I went, maybe there's something to this because I may have at that point encountered something along the lines of unschool. And I went, yeah, right. You know, I mean, I was completely not open to it until I saw it in action that day. And I went, I have to learn more. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a scare. Like I, we, we have not totally gone that route, you know, and there's definitely times when I see him like, I, I should, I need to, we need to just back off a little bit here or there. And cause they do like, it's amazing, you know, like what they can pick up and learn just from practice. And by having them in an interesting environment and doing interesting things, every mm-hmm. part of life is learning. You can't not yeah. learn. So, you know, Sandra Dodd has the great learn nothing day on in July. I think it's the 24th every year. And I love, yeah, my now youngest is 13 and I go, don't forget, you know, today's learn nothing day. So I went to work that day, I came home and I said, so how'd you make out? He goes, oh no, mom, you wouldn't even believe the things I learned today. So what's wrong with you? You <laughs> failed again. And he just laughed because I'm not sure he entirely understands the irony of what we're trying to say. Yeah. This is that there is no learn nothing day. If you're a functional human being, if you're somewhat neurotypical, if you live in an you know interesting, even if you laid in bed in the dark all day, you would learn that this hurts your body and it's not much fun. You're always going to learn something. So um, it was hard at first to let go, but with him, he was so determined. As soon as I said, what would you like to learn? He goes, oh, can we do chemistry? Can we do this? Can we do, you know, I said, yeah, all right. So let's make that happen. And the scarier part to me was not so much him because I knew he had this determination to just, he was going to do whatever he wanted to do regardless. I mean, I could either fight him or I could get out of his way and help facilitate. Go, okay, you're motivated. You're going to do you. It may not look like school, but if I can just keep him out of jail, I'll be doing pretty good. That became my life (laughs) mission is go, okay, you know, let's just keep him from going to prison and make him a decent human being rather than, you know, book smart because he has issues with his eyes, with tracking and diplopia convergence. Uh, we tried doing reading uh, vision therapy and he had no desire to do it. So I kept pushing and forcing and now, you know, when he's ready, he will find the tool or the way. And he has a million and one crutches to get through his day without having strong reading, writing skills. So it always amazes me to watch him, but the scariest leap was letting my infant then toddler, then preschooler grow with zero schooling. And it, I mean, even now it kind of makes me clench up. Oh my gosh. It was this huge leap of faith to say, I'm not even going to make him sing the ABCs. And I just asked him a week ago, do you even know the ABC song? He said, the what? (laughs) I said, ABCD. He goes, no, I don't. Have I failed? Or if he needs to alphabetize something in the future, can he learn this? I mean, if a five-year-old can learn or a three-year-old, then yes. Yeah. He is fully autodidactic. He is completely self-taught. He was, I mean, I've read that boy brains are not actually ready to read until between ages like 9, 11, 12-ish. Mm-hmm. At about 8, I started going, look, he's an emergent reader. I, I can see this coming. And then at 9, I'm like, he's still emergent. Oh, God, it's 10. What have I done? I failed at 11. Can you read yet? Oh, and it finally happened. And I went, he's a phenomenal reader. And all the nuances of the English language he can pick out and he understands and he's actually a language master. He loves wordplay and, and stuff. And so watching him develop and grow in his own way was 
exhilaratingly, terrifyingly wonderful because, and I still don't know, right or wrong, I don't know, but he's 15 and he has such depth and breadth of knowledge of things that far exceed anything I've ever had. He tell you every history of the of guns back to whatever the 1700s or something and everything mm-hmm. since then he knows blacksmithing he knows all these video games he knows a million things and he's got vast interests and he has all the time in the world to pursue it and i will tell you in learning this is where with this really strong-willed child i started rethinking the parenting and that's where the radical yeah. side of the unschooling came in to go is there a different way because i've taken psychology in college and I was told there were three ways to parent. There was the permissive, which is the sit on your ass, do nothing and go, little Jimmy, you better stop or I'm going to hit you, you know, and you just go get off your ass and go do something. Don't let them jump on the dog. You need to do something. They just sit and threaten or do nothing. Go, just don't bother me and it'll all be good. Um, And then there's the authoritarian, which is where we were in terms of do what I say or else parenting with might is right and fear, you know, based sort of you do this or you're punished and you suffer. And then there's authoritative, which is, I love you, but we have healthy boundaries and you know, we're going to set them. And when you mess up, yeah, there's going to be a consequence, but we're not going to beat you. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of done lovingly. And those, that's what is presented in psychology textbooks at the college level. There's a fourth paradigm and people don't know or acknowledge us because it's so, it's such an antithesis to our culture to say children are human beings worthy of respect. They're autonomous and we can let them partner with us and live in an almost democratic way to say, we all have to live together. What's the best way to do this? And we seek win-win solutions and negotiate and barter and, you know, discuss together. And when I have something I urgently need to do, I can go, guys, I urgently need this. How can we work together to make this happen? And I've got nothing but compliance now. My now 20-year-old with a brain injury, yeah, he's still home and he's on disability now because he's not he has so much executive dysfunction. He can't um, plan things through very well. He gets very self-focused on what he wants and goes toward that. But um, with growth and development, um, he's kind of matured and settled and he's, he's just so reasonable now. And I know that I think the last 10 to 13 years of being in partnership rather than dominance has really catered to what he naturally was looking for. But seeing how my 13 year old I recently went back to work full-time because my husband got a different job that allowed him more flexibility to be home more often during the week. So we're still balancing and trading, you know, <laughs> who's home and who's not. But mm-hmm. so I'm back in the Monday through Friday grind because oh, benefits are great, you know? Um, yeah. And I went years without. So, um, but it's, I can text a 13 year old and say, this is what we're having for dinner tonight. Can you get it started? Can you mow the grass today? Can you clean the litter box? Can you, I mean, a million and one things he's doing around the house willingly there's no fighting there's no bickering over it he just goes absolutely sure i can do that and you know why it's because that's how we raised him was he said mom can you come look at my thing and i said absolutely i'll come look at your thing and we showed a modeled service to him no matter what his age was or how boring the interest was if he wants to spend an hour talking to me about guns i could just shoot myself <laughs> but it's his passion and he loves it so i tolerate and go interesting i'm glad you like this you know and <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do in the future. He wants to build a cabin in the woods and live there, you know, alone by himself. I said, okay, you know, we'll see what happens. That's, that's, uh, that's funny. My son is nine and he's been on that kick lately where, yep, I just, I, I want to go build a, a cabin in the woods and, uh, you know, 
to, to heck with the rest of you guys. I'm, I'm going to go live by myself <laughs> yeah. and, and do that. And like, okay. If that's really what you want to do. I mean, I, I want to do that for a while, you know, and it's okay. But, um, so your, your youngest son is 13 and he's been home from the beginning. And then your, I guess one of your, one of your middle sons there, he came out at 13, you said, is that about right? Uh, we, uh, number two is the one that kind of pushed all this. So he was about seven when I brought him home. Seven. Okay. Yeah. Seven. All right, and then the younger was thirteen. Now, all right. So now, did you did you guys also pull the your oldest child, or did you leave him in, or you know, because we are blended, he has a different dad. So his dad had, you know, there was a lot of a lot of hurt between us because I spent those years being so controlling, and his dad was very manip- manipulative. And hey, you're my best friend, you're my buddy, and you know, when things got stressful here, he finally said around twelve or thirteen, I'm out of here. So he left and went up to his dad's, and. That was a big kick to me to go, wow, I've really messed this up. And that was about the time I was really starting to find gentle parenting and, and, and starting to work on ways within myself to just realize I can only control me and, and I've got to get this changed. So all the mainstream stuff had to go. And if you've ever tried to completely fundamentally change yourself from the inside out, it's not an easy process. <laughs> no. um, and not so, a short process either. No, it's not. It's a, it's, I'm constantly a you know, work in progress because I'm trying to overcome those, you know, 25, 30 years of programming and, and what seems so normal and what is applauded. You know, it's still so weird to see people blowing up over, look, the mom went to school and shamed her kid. Isn't that great? Or, oh, the mom whooped his butt in the middle of the street. Awesome. More parents need to do that. And you're so fighting against the mainstream that it's hard to keep doing that, even though you know fundamentally it's a truth to say to be in a place of love and to show that respect is the most worthwhile thing you can do for your little humans. But uh, so I, I spent those years, about four years after my son left, um, really working on myself and really trying to work on bonding with him and, and connect, just repairing that connection. And I will tell you now he's 25 and we're the best of friends. He will call me and we can talk for two hours. He tells me his relationship details if it's you know necessary. He tells me his job woes. He comes to me for advice. And he has a better credit score than I do because he actually listens to my advice and he applies it. I'm like, wow, if only I'd had a me when I was that young and messed everything up, I had no idea what I was doing. But yeah, he's living on his own. He's working. He's making decisions and he's adulting really well. And I'm so proud of him. But I know a lot of that for him. He has a lot to overcome. He had a lot of hurts in his youth. And, you know, I apologize all the time to him because I know I played a part in that. And I just encourage him to do better, especially before he procreates. Go get it fixed now. Do your shadow work, you know, and get yourself right. And I think just by modeling, he has definitely seen the change in me from who I was then to who I am now. That I'm certainly not perfect, but you know, a lot better. I'm not the screaming hysterical control freak trying to you know demand compliance from everybody. I think that that's like a huge thing. I mean, and that's that's how we learn, right? You you learn by modeling by by watching others around you and, and when you're a parent you know that that's something i i need to think about all the time and I, and i don't you know it's <laughs> far from it but i mean when you think about that think that your your child is watching you and that's how they're going to grow up and parent that's how they're going to grow up and live and like all the things that you you know feel like you could do better about yourself they're, they're picking that up you know um and it's not just a uh self-help kind of thing. I need to make myself better. You're making yourself better for, for everybody, for, for all your kids. Exactly. And when you have them home and you have the time to build those relationships with them, it's just that much, that much better. It is. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, it's a future generation kind of work. I, 
get angry sometimes that I'm the one who has to do the heavy lifting. Why didn't my parents care enough to, you know, do this? And, and I sometimes wonder if they had just had, you know, like my second son, I was a very compliant child. I'm a middle kid. So I always wanted to make peace and let's all be friends. And, and, you know, there were a lot of really crappy family dynamics that were handed down. There's alcoholism, there's, you know, just neglect, there's all kinds of ugliness that was given to me. I, I don't even say I have a family tree. It's a shriveled up little broken shrub that I'm kind of ashamed to even look at. I go, God, those people are horrible. <laughs> and I used to be one of them. And yeah. I didn't even know what I didn't know. So until I started learning and growing, going, wow, I have been so wrong. There was a book uh, by a woman named Becky Bailey, and she's a little more mainstream, but she was probably the most radical thing I read when my number two was about to. And uh, I think the book was um, something seven, something about dealing with difficult kids. And it was seven, you know, seven ways to fix or do. And I went, oh, that's what I need because I have a difficult kid. And her book was really about how you parent them and how you approach it. One of the examples she gave was, you know, you can be parent A or you can be parent B. So you walk in the room, the kids are fighting over a toy. Parent A is what I always was to go, you know what? Nobody gets the toy then. No, you guys can't get along and figure it out. I take it. Now it's nobody has it. Parent B says, wow, you both really want this toy. How can we work this out and figure out a way that we can all be happy? And I went, holy, I didn't even know parent B could exist. (laughs) It's, you know, mind boggling to me. And she said that sarcasm, something I had finally honed and was so proud of and, and, you know, really shined on the internet, you know, being a super sarcastic person. And she said that that's a defense mechanism to, you know, protect yourself. And when she, I mean, I was like, she just triggered me completely. I went, what? What? You know, that, that was my core being. I prided myself so much on, on that function of my life that, you know, to say that that was a defense mechanism, protect yourself. And I went, God, she's right. And I hate her, but wow. And I had to keep reading it to see, but, um, it is, it is I I love sarcasm, but it is. It's one of those things. Kind of like. Eh. So, do you do you remember when you were like, you took your your son out and you were kind of leaning on the homeschool thing? And what what was it that I don't know? Kind of pushed you into the sort of unschooling, or what led you to find that, or, or how did you find that? What what was the resource or that? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember one particular like turning point okay. to go, oh, what is that? Um, I joined a lot of Facebook groups. I'm huge on information. I'm huge on learning anything that I can. If I'm presented with a challenge or an issue or a conundrum, I go, I have to learn as much as I can about this right now. Yeah, so I understand it and have all the depth and information here. And so I'm kind of an information junkie. So when I said we're going to homeschool, I went, okay, now I need to find the homeschool people. Where are they? So first we joined a local co-op and that was great. It's been a great resource over the years. Um, but I immediately also joined Facebook groups and support groups on forums. And, and at the time it was Yahoo lists, you know, but it was kind of just as we were evolving coming out of MySpace and yeah, that sort of thing was all coming together around that time. And um, somebody I'm sure in a group either mentioned John Holt or unschooling. And I went, what if I, and I read about it and went, oh, isn't that funny? Like total dirty hippie stuff. You know, it was just so, so out there. But then, like I said, that day when he bugged nobody and did paper airplanes for three hours, mm-hmm. I almost fell out. I, mean, I went, well, wait a minute. There's got to be something to that, what I was reading about. Because prior to that, I don't think I was giving it much credibility. I really, when you're raised believing that, you know, they have to feed you the knowledge and that one person's in charge of the 30 and you do what you're told. And, and 
And that was probably a turning point for me also around that time was when Ron Paul ran for office around 2006. And a guy I was working for online, I was doing virtual assistant work, um, he started giving money to Ron Paul. And I went, who the hell is Ron Paul? <laughs> yeah. So I Googled him because, again, information. And I went, oh, interesting. And as I kept reading and reading, and I went, holy crap, I never even thought about real liberty or real freedom or how you know, enslaved we actually are in this system. And he opened my mind to something I never contemplated. I was a really hardcore Republican. I'd probably have been a biggest fan ever of Trump if it were me 15 years ago. And it's terrorized me. I didn't know better. I was you know, doing exactly what you know I was raised to do. My dad was a firefighter. We saluted everybody. You know, it was just, <laughs> that's what you did. And, and I was the person on the internet arguing that you had to hit your kids. Some kids need to be spanked and it's not because you're mean or abusive. It's because they need it. And I went, now I'm, I'm the weirdo hippie that I couldn't understand then. And I'm going, no, 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 no. There's a whole different way. And it's actually more detrimental and yeah, build a relationship. None of that could register with me. So all of these things started transpiring around that time. And so it's been a very interesting path to follow, to relinquish beliefs that were so intrinsic. And at one point I kind of said something to my dad about, you know, Eh, you got to question the things. If you ask enough questions and he said, Oh no, no, no. You know, there is a point where you can ask too many questions. And I went, um, no, <sighs> yeah. <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that for a moment, you know, that, and you know, like I don't buy any conspiracy theories, but are there really good questions without good answers? There are. And so I'm not going to wear my tinfoil hat and say, I absolutely know the truth because I don't, there's a lot of questions without good answers but that's, that's kind of where it's left me from being a super duper mainstream, predictable person with all those patent, you know, box. If you don't support the soldier stand in front of them, I mean, everything right down the line, those came out of my mouth and onto the internet. I was, you know, that person. So yeah, looking back, I, I wish I could wake up everybody and say, there's a whole different world that you're missing. And it's about connection and relationship and, and goodness. And, and they don't know it because they're indoctrinated just like yeah. I was. Yeah, it's uh, so, yeah. I mean that that is when when you grow up a certain way, just like you grow up, and that's how you parent. You parent the way you see, and it's the same thing with politics and and religion. Every every other thing that you know you don't think about, you know you you have to you have to think about some of these things to actually if you want to progress forward. Um, right. Well, you know. and I think there are a lot of people that you know vote on dancing with the stars and they live their lives, you know, very sheltered. So they don't have to think they keep their minds very busy and occupied with what's happening this weekend. Are we going to go to tailgating? Are we going to, you know, they're there and they don't, they go, Oh, I'm not political at all. And that's how they avoid it. And they just kind of keep their head down and they're, maybe they're happy in that. That's fine for them. But for me, I, you know, my son kind of kicked my butt and said, you have to figure out a different way to do this. And I went, it's it's easy to be apathetic, you know. It's easy to just yeah. kind of, well, they both suck, so I'm just not going to do anything. You know, that's easy to do. Yeah. Um, that's what I did for for a long time, and then I kind of realized that there was other things out there, and that you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, there's this other other thing out there. So yeah, well, and I, you know, I've gone completely. I went from libertarian, then after Republican, kind of slid into libertarianism to voluntarist to going. Mm -hmm. I am a 45 year old anarchist. I do not live in my mother's basement. I, you know, have a job. Here's the really funniest, best part that cracks me up every single day. So, you know, my 20 year old has a brain injury. Compliance is an issue. When he gets stressed, compliance is an issue. So 
five or six years ago when the video came out about Kelly Thomas, if you know who he is, was you know, beaten to death, a schizophrenic man, homeless on the street, failed to comply and was literally beaten to death. And none of those officers were held accountable in any way. That hit me so hard because I realized that could be my kid. That could be my son in a heartbeat. And we've already had numerous encounters with law enforcement. There was a day where he didn't take his afternoon meds and state police were here and they said he tried to talk to them and the officer got really kind of threw her shoulders back and said, are you on drugs? And I said, no, I said, he didn't get his drugs. That's the problem. Yeah. You know, that's the issue. Stop. You know, and you know, when you see that there was a kid with autism beat or, you know, the caregiver of the autistic kid was shot. Yeah. I, I worked in a group home for a while with severely autistic people. And it's, you know, we weren't allowed to fight back. You, you, couldn't, you can't aggress against them. They don't know what they're doing. You find other ways to deescalate and redirect and do other stuff. And, so I started seeing that, you know, uh, maybe I just started looking more for those instances of abuse of power and against the most helpless populations. And so recently, yeah, I took a job in a police department. <laughs> oh, it cracks me up to no end. Every single day just amuses me to no end that, you know, if they had any idea if my Facebook were not locked down and they could see what I say, you know, it's just so funny. But really, what am I saying? I'm saying I want the most helpless among us to be helped, not hurt. I want, you know, if they're going to be there, don't come at it with ego and don't come at it with aggression. Come at it with understanding and a willingness to help, not to, you know, defend yourself against an imagined threat. So I figured if I could do it for two and a half years in a group, and one of our guys was six foot five, 300 pounds, very aggressive. He took a ballpoint pen one time and jammed it up the nose of another resident. It popped out near his eye. Yeah, I mean, these weren't, they weren't playing. This was not a game. This was really mentally ill people. And, you know, I lived through that without getting hurt or having to hurt them. So if I could do that in a defenseless way against huge guys, I'm sure there's another way. So, so I have a real heart for not just talking to people about like brain injury and what it's like to live with and, and good ways to handle aggressive behaviors or non-compliant behaviors. And, you know, I do a lot of talk for like brain injury association and stuff like that. Um, but someday I would really almost like to leverage what I'm doing now into training departments in how to handle this population in a different way. So, I mean, it's, it's hilarious to be, you know, kind of a sellout every day, but um, yeah, I, I think it gives me a unique perspective from where I'm sitting. It, yeah, it does. It, that's, and that is, it's a, it's a delicate population and, and the protection is not there. You know, you see things and it's just, it's, it's awful. It is. Yeah. Well, and that's really in a sense, they're a culmination of what the population or the mainstream culture has become might makes right. And, you know, when you put somebody, I mean, what is the, the you know, saying, of course, that, um, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. You know, that we see this played out over and over again. So anybody who's read Animal Farm can see this happening on a daily basis. So when you put anybody in a place of worship to say their lives are more valued than ours, they, it can never end well. There's an imbalance of power because there's a lack of respect. And, and that is really seems to be fostered and pushed in mainstream culture from separating your kids at birth to put them in their own crib to put them in preschool, to put them in daycare, to put them in child warehousing or government indoctrination institutions, as I call it, to this free childcare because mom and dad both have to work. And you're told this over and over and over again, but we chose to be functionally poor for over a decade. I went without healthcare. It's not fun, but it was very important to us that I be home the majority to raise that baby, you know, more than anything else. 
and I wouldn't trade it for anything. We're going to be digging out of debt for years. It is what it is, but you know, it's doable. And everyone thinks you have to be rich to homeschool. No, we barely above the poverty line, if that, and that was, you know, with both of us working, you know, my husband full-time and me part-time wherever I could get it. So yeah, yeah, choices, choices, and, and sacrifices, and what's what's important. Exactly. You know, is it your kids are the, the fancy new car, or whatever. Exactly. Right? You know, if you're going to live in a McMansion or you're going to buy something that's economically affordable, you know, live within your means and then less. My niece is getting married this weekend. I've already told her, you know, see what you can do to live on one income now, sock away in savings, and then when you're ready, you know, to have kids, you already know how to live on one income. You know, you have a savings built up. And, and that's not going to be a shock to your system because the truth is uh, nobody's going to love your kids like you do. Nobody. You can't pay people to love your kids. And uh, there was a really great website um, called Daycares Don't Care. And I read that while I was pregnant. And it was horrifying. There were testaments of people who had worked in childcare settings of all types testifying to things they were told. Don't hold the baby. Don't snuggle the baby. Don't talk nicely to them. You know, just you, you can't let them get attached to you. And over and over this message that's what? what they're doing. What? Yeah. Oh, oh, it's it's a it's a horrifying read, and yet, yeah, especially as a pregnant woman full of hormones, with you know, oh my god, I could never pay somebody to do this, and um, you know, I would never change the choices we made for anything. Good deal. Good deal. So, uh, vacate schools. How did you yeah. um, how did you come into that? Uh, you know, I, I belong to a bazillion and one Facebook groups, and of course, they gradually shifted into more from libertarian to the anarchist to, you know, I have a really interesting, eclectic group of Facebook friends. Um, and I want to say it was Lou Sander, but I'm not sure. Uh, he seems to be really big. He has the podcast and, and does a lot of things. But somebody posted in a group one day and said you know, they were doing what they had. They had they vacate the military, vacate the state, vacate all these other pages going, and they were looking for admins who might be interested in how about vacate public schools. And I said, sure, add me to it. So I think we have maybe eight admins, seven or eight admins, and nobody else participates in it but me. So I'm kind of, it has definitely become my baby. And, and um, you know, there are periods of time where there's not a lot posting because I'm really doing stuff. And I've added even another admin or two and one, I know her account got suspended and she was, you know, was kind of off Facebook. And um, the other one, you know, I invited him. He said, sure. He posts and comments to the page, but I'm not sure he realizes he has admin privilege yet to be able to do that. So, you know, the weird thing was when we all came together, I didn't know most of the other admins and I'd have people posting stuff with which I really disagreed. They would post an anti-homophobic or, you know, like a pro-homophobic thing and, and like, um, and a really religious, you know, kind of content and, and like we should homeschool because we can teach about God. And I'm like, yeah, that's not really where I see this page going. I'm glad that they backed off or went away because I don't want to fight against the admins, but you know, having a common vision for let's just focus on getting them out of school, whatever your agenda is at home. You know, I'd much rather practice tolerance and acceptance of others and then put that out there because you're going to get a lot more buy-in and it's the right thing to do. But, you know, I don't want to vacate people. I want to vacate public schools. Yeah, no, that's definitely, uh, is there, and there's a lot of, you know, different reasons that, that people homeschool and to yeah. try to convince them that, that one reason is better than the others kind of Right. I don't know. They teach their own, you know? Um, yeah. But. Well, and everybody has to find their own motivation for it. What is your tipping point? You know, for me, it was, again, my son was getting kicked out all the time anyway. And I figured if I was going to be home with the baby, here we go. We're going to save a trip to the school every day. Um, we did keep my stepson, who's, again, seven months younger. He stayed in school for the most part. He 
you know, his mom did not want him homeschooled and that was fine. You know, it was fine for him. He's okay student. He didn't end up graduating. We ended up graduating him from homeschool. We actually did that with my oldest as well. Um, he decided when he was about 16 that he just said, I'm so done with this mom. I said, that's fine. I said, well, I let him de school for an entire year. He pretty much just played modern warfare in his bedroom. And, you know, we periodically hear him scream out, fuck yeah, you know, we go, well, I guess he's doing okay. And, you know, when he was ready and each of the boys, whenever I graduate them, uh, I give them a diploma with the date of uh, April 1st, because to me, that's what it is. It's just a joke Um, (laughs) because the entire, you know, we have, we live in a reporting state, so we have to report annually. We have to have evaluation. It's not the most strict. We just had some loosening of our regulations, but all these years of, to me, it's playing a game. They started it. So I'm just kind of play along and you know, do what I need to do to fake it with them. But you know, I'm more interested in raising human beings who have compassion and you know, are willing to help others. And so we've done a lot of interesting things from having international students live with us to homeless people live with us to giving out, doing service, whether it was through church or community or just I'd rather model for them being a good person and let them find their passion. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I always say when you watch like a Dr. Phil type talk show, first thing they do with a midlife crisis, miserable 40, 50 year old, they say, what did you love to do as a kid? Can you find a way to do that now and monetize it? Like, oh, I'm just saving like 30 years of misery to say, find what you love to do and follow your heart and do that now. Well, I, I, I appreciate the, uh, the, the stuff that gets posted there. Do you make a lot of that content? Is that yours? Um, a lot of it I'm pulling and sharing. There are a few things that I've made and created myself. All the commentary on is me. Um, I like the hashtags that kind of come up with and keep pushing. And I love seeing friends who don't know that that's me repeating my hashtags. It kind of makes me laugh to go, oh, look, I'm getting there, you know, and they're repeating their audience. So, you know, to see that trickle out and, and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I belong still to so many different groups and you know, whenever I see anything related to school, I kind of jump in and go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, is this worth posting? And the funny thing is I read the daily mail almost daily because it's hilarious to read. But when I see a story related to this kid was bullied or whatever, I immediately go to the internet and search for a, a legitimate news source <laughs> before I post it because I don't want somebody going, it's the daily mail. But I have yet to find a story they're wrong on, honestly. So, you know, take that for what's worth, but I'll go get it from an ABC or CBS sort of thing and source it that way. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's always, there's always a grain in there somewhere. And, you know, a lot of times it thresh it out. It's impossible to thresh everything out. You know, you do, you need three, four or five sources to actually figure out what happened. But funny thing is, I mean, how many times now you're seeing stories, especially, and I I will never jump on one of these about a story of racism that happened within a school or setting. There was a young girl recently 12, so she was held down by three white boys and they cut her hair and soon as I read that, just like during each of the elections, there's this escalation of, you know, crazy behaviors and inevitably it comes out to be the other side. You know, it's like these lies are happening. And and if people haven't seen how this is happening, you know, the waiters who write the ugliness on there, you know, I don't, don't tip for flags, you know, kind of thing. And it turns out they did it themselves. It wasn't the customer at all. And those stories keep happening and people fall for it and jump in and just, you know, ready to get a firing squad going. How could people act like this? And then it comes out, no, yeah, you have Jesse Smollett who pretended with a noose around his neck. And <laughs> everything about the story was suspect because it's, you know, I think when you go out in your community, no matter what, people are just fundamentally good, better yeah. than what anybody gives them credit for. I know there are jerks. I know there are people who are, you know, but I think hurt people hurt people. And there's a lot of hurting people in our culture. 
So if I can do anything to give back and, and you know, sow some niceness and kindness out there to the world, I'm going to do that because that's, you know, how we're going to turn it and, you know, focus on what you, what you want versus, you know, looking at what you don't like and see. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Appreciate it. Um, where can we go to, to find that? Was it facebook.com slash? Uh, it must be Vacate Public Schools. Honestly, right, I've yeah. never looked at that closely. But yeah, I would think if you just Google that. And amazingly, we have survived the zucking. So I don't <laughs> know, you know why we haven't been reported. I, mean, I do try to, you know, we avoid vulgar stuff and, and really inflammatory things. But, you know, some people get really triggered. And you'll see periodically where teachers come in and just get all up in arms about clearly we're attacking them. And they're just as much a victim of the system as anyone else. They really wholeheartedly believe they're doing a good thing and a right thing. And I'm not saying they're not kind to their students. And, and maybe they are the only warm presence that kid will have all day. But they tend to hone in on these kids are abused at home as the norm. And I really don't think that's the case. I think that's the exception to the rule is that, yeah, for every you know one or two kids you get through who are badly neglected and love school because they finally got a meal, I don't think that's as prevalent as they would like us to believe. Maybe I'm just, uh, you know, burying my head, but I don't see that in my community. And, you know. No, I, again, I think that goes back to, uh, you know, like you said earlier, it's just things are, things are blown out of proportion for, yeah. for the media and the internet and everything else. And well, it perpetuates the, uh, perpetuates the storyline, which is comply, do what you're told. School is good. Government's good. You know, Military's protecting you, all that sort of thing. All right. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you for, for telling your, your story there. Um, and I encourage people to go, go check that page out and share that stuff around. It's, uh, it's enjoyable. So, Thank you so much, Ben. I appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So that was T. Go check out the Facebook page, Vacate Public Schools. Uh, there's lots of memes, lots of good quotes, uh, all sorts of things on there that will make you think. Uh, they might have been things you thunk before, but there will be things, no doubt, that will make you think some more. You can share it with your friends and make them think. We can all think our way through life. At the top of the show, I told you I would have a little announcement, um, and, and I kind of do, you know. Um, November's coming up. And uh, on my screen, I had some some musicians that I had wanted to talk to. And I went ahead and consolidated those musicians into the fine month of November. So every Tuesday in November, I will have a musician come and talk about either their, their homesteading journey or their homeschooling journey. And uh, I think you'll all enjoy it. I have some great guests coming up. And uh, I encourage you to, uh, if music is, is one of those things you kind of enjoy... Um, or if music is something you want to get your kids involved in, um, take a, take a listen, give, give them a listen. So get out there, go hit those subscribe buttons. Um, go to iTunes, give it five stars, give it four stars. If you want, that's okay too. Um, though if you do give it less than five stars, please let me know why. Let me know why. Send me an email, homesteadsandhomeschools at gmail.com. Tell me why you only give me four stars. What can I do better? What can I do to tickle your ears in a kinder way? in a way that you enjoy. Oh, also, 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 Thursday is uh, Halloween. 
Thursday is also the last Thursday of the month. And that means I'm going to have another update from my little corner of the world. Um, so stick around for that. If, uh, if you enjoy those, again, let me know. If you don't, let me know too, and I, I will save my time. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all for now. Enjoy your week. Enjoy the, the fall weather. And I will talk to you on Thursday. Remember, get out there, sow those seeds of liberty. We can all reap sheaves of freedom together. Dream. I'm gonna ride us this dream.